Thank you for streaming the audio messages of the Fountain Church. But we've been in this scripture, Proverbs 3, 5, 6, and it says this. Is that trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your understanding and acknowledge God in all your ways and he will make your path straight. So the way we've been defining this is that a hero, right, is it because they're the best and have all these powers and they never make a mistake? No. A hero is someone who acknowledges God and he makes their path straight. A heathen is someone who refuses to acknowledge God for who he is and what he wants to do in someone's life. And it seems so dramatic, right? But what we've been seeing, a contrast in the story of David and Saul, Saul started out so well. He had all these good intentions. He wanted to leave God's people, right? But something in him turned sour, and he stopped acknowledging God. It got bigger and bigger and bigger. And where he could have been a hero for Jesus He then became a heathen. And so we're going to close out this series. And if you're taking notes, I'm going to entitle this A Season of Silence. A Season of Silence. Okay, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. God, your word says about itself that it's living, it's active, and God, it penetrates. God, the attitudes um, in our soul. So, Lord, I pray that your word would preach to us today, God. Transform us from the inside out, Lord, and lead us, God, in the way that you want us to lead. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Have you ever been frustrated before that you've been stuck? You ever, ever, ugh. Some people in this room, when I said stuck, it was just a little like, ugh, like, ugh. I hate that word. I feel stuck right now. I don't know about you, but there's many ways that we can be stuck. One of the ways that we get stuck is this thing called a red light. Anyone know what I'm talking about? 7 a.m., commute time, right? You're like 30 minutes late. And it's crazy. I think we, maybe it's just me, but we think the craziest thoughts when we're late. My life's falling apart. My boss is going to fire me. And it, why does it always seem like when we're late, the red lights get longer and longer. I hate this light. It's been going on for 30 minutes. I'm going to run this light, and I don't care if I get a ticket. It's worth it. I mean, we're just crazy, right, when we're at a red light. Come on. Hey, if we're being honest, like, man, okay, if I just kind of creep a little bit more, no one's going to see me. It's like, come on. Some of you guys have thought that before. How many of you have been stuck in a line? Come on. Some... Uh, some of you guys, some of you guys refuse to go to Disneyland, all right? And I'm praying for you guys. I'm praying for you. Come on. That, and we've all been, and probably the worst part of being stuck in a line, especially at a grocery store, when they have a promise on every aisle, we're going to get you out in about three minutes. Like, you're like, 30 minutes, three hours. Like, you guys are not faithful. And it's, it's crazy because when you're stuck in line, again, you can think, of the craziest things. Like, have you ever been in line and only have one item and the person ahead of you has like a thousand items? You're like, man, hopefully you're praying, Lord, may they see I only have one item. It's not going to take that long. They kind of acknowledge you and they turn back around. You're like, come on, seriously? Like, are there any good Samaritans in the Bay Area? Like, what's going on? But it's funny because on the flip side, right, when we do have that, you know, a thousand items, that one person has that one item. Hey, do you mind? Can I, can I go ahead of you? All right. 
I'm a Christian. And if they ask me where I go to church, I want to have a good testimony. So like, you let them in, right, in line. And then what happens? They bring in more items. The, the system computer breaks down. They need a check from the manager. You're like, why was I so nice, right? I just should have said no. I think in so many ways we can get stuck and it can be so frustrating. But how many of you know that it's one thing to be stuck in a line, it's one thing to be stuck at a light, but it's a whole other thing to be stuck in life. And I think, I think we all can relate to those stories, whether here on one side or the other, but all of us have felt stuck in life. Now, there's many ways to define that, but how I want to define it today is this. You know you're stuck when you know where you should be, but it's not where you currently are. You, you, know, you know the plan, the desire where God wants to take you, but it just feels like I just can't get there. I just feel so stuck. And maybe you're here today and you're not a believer. And, and man, this is a safe place. We're so excited that you're here. And maybe it's not about following Christ, but there's just some disappointments in your life where maybe marriage isn't going the way that you want it to go. Maybe there's some hiccups, some habits, just, there's some, there's some hang-ups that you just want to let go of, but you just can't get to where you want to go, even though that's where you know you should be. So, and again, trust me, it gets more encouraging than this right now, but I, I got to say this right now, where if you're not stuck right now, you're going to be stuck at some point. So maybe you're like, oh, I'm good, Jesus. Hey, let's celebrate that. Amen. But if you're not stuck, can you receive this today so you can help someone else get unstuck? Well, I didn't get a lot of amens on that. Come on. Hey, we're not just here for ourselves. Church can be a little bit about us, but it can't be all about us. Come on. And so today, guys, what I want to talk about, maybe you're not stuck right now, but what do we do when we're in a place where we know where God wants us to be, but we're just not there? And, and there, there's such a, a temptation, right? Again, we can think the craziest things when we're stuck. Man, maybe it's just not working. I mean, I worked out for a good solid three days. I still look the same. <laughs> I still feel the same. This ain't working. I'm going in and out. Not that I'm speaking from a personal story right now. Some of you guys are laughing at me because you know me. I love, I, man, come on, somebody. Okay. <laughs> and so some of you guys know where it's like, gosh, I feel so stuck. Maybe I should just do something else. This Jesus thing isn't working. I've been tithing, Lord. I've been serving, I've been reading my Bible, I've been trying to make this thing happen, but yet I'm still stuck. And I think that one of the biggest hurdles, obstacles that when we feel stuck is this belief, this lie, this, this um, mindset that can get into our heads if we're not careful, that when you're stuck in silence, we're all tempted to believe this thing, that if God is silent, that must mean he's absent. That because I'm stuck and it feels like God is being so silent, why isn't he speaking? Why isn't he leaving me here? If, if he was really here, if he loved me, he just may just be absent then. And we wonder why we get discouraged, why we get stuck. And it's okay to have a bad day, but sometimes our bad day becomes a bad season. It becomes, a, it becomes a season of silence, and we believe this lie that God is actually absent. 
And I'm not just talking to people who are like, man, like, I don't know Jesus. I mean, those in the church, we can feel that same way. And for some of us, we haven't just been silent, but we've been stuck in shame because we, we shouldn't be thinking this way. We shouldn't be believing that God is actually absent. But yet, the enemy wants to silence us because of how we're feeling. Now, I don't know about you. Any, when you were in school, how many of you like, were just great at taking tests? Anybody? Okay, a couple of you awesome people in this room. Well, I won't make you raise your hand if you weren't good at tests, right? But, man, like, it's just so funny because when we take a test, it can be so stressful, right? Like, I don't want to make a mistake. I'm so, like, I, I don't know if I'm going to pass this test. And it, it's interesting because the Scripture tells us that the enemy wants to tempt us, but God wants to test us. God, why are you trying to test me? Like, come on. And, and we confuse the two because the scripture says the enemy tempts us because he wants us not to acknowledge God. But the Bible tells us that God tests us not because he doesn't believe that we can do it, but because he wants us to see that we can do it. And, and, and here's the crazy part. When is the teacher in the classroom the most silent? During a test. And the reason why, and this is going to hit some of us right now, the reason why the teacher does that, because the whole semester they've been preparing you, they've been quizzing you, they've been investing in you, they've been developing you, they've been doing everything they can, because you don't know what's coming, but your teacher does. They know all the curriculum, they know everything that's going to happen, yet they're preparing, they're preparing, 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 because they know in that one moment the test is going to come. But how many of you know that we don't just have a good teacher, we have a good, good father. And our good father doesn't just want us to pass, but he wants to promote us to the next level. And so we don't have to be afraid of the test, because the test isn't about how awesome we are. It's how good, how faithful, and how amazing our God is. And so what if we just changed our mindset of our season of our silence? And can I say... And, and, and we go through rough, rough times. I, I totally understand that. But the myth of a season of silence is that God isn't speaking. And it's not that God isn't speaking. It's that God wants to do a deeper work inside of us. And when we feel stuck, all we want to do is go far. But God's saying, if you go far without going deep, you're not going to make it. So I got to take you deep before you can go far. And I tr trust me, if you go deep, you're going to go far with God. So that's what I want to talk to us about this morning is how do we go deep in our season of silence? Because when, when things are silent and we feel so stuck, we, we can believe God is absent, but he's not. So we're going to be in 1 Samuel uh, chapter 28. 1 Samuel chapter 28, verse 3. And let me give some context Again, we've been seeing the contrast of David and Saul, where Saul started out super well, but yet he got into his own head. He cared too much about how people saw him. He started doing his own thing. He wanted, the scripture says that he wanted to sacrifice, just do things for Jesus, but not actually be obedient. So his heart grew cold and cold. Yet there was David, not that he was perfect, but the scripture says he was a man after his own heart. So now we're at this place where Samuel has passed away. And it's really sad just to see kind of where Saul is at. 
he's broken down. He's almost like this has-been leader where he used to be great, but now his army doesn't even respect him. David's kind of climbing to the top. And you would think at this moment, I'm going to acknowledge God. I'm going to acknowledge him to make my past straight, but yet he's still not there. So check this out. Verse 3, Saul then said to the advisors, oops, I think it's the verse before that. Oh, keep going. There you go. Meanwhile, Samuel had died, and all Israel had mourned for him. He was buried in Ramah, his hometown. And Saul had banned from the land of Israel all mediums, those who consult the spirits of the dead. Keep going. The Philistines set up their camp at Shunem, and Saul gathered all the army of Israel. By the way, if you don't know how to say a Bible, say it really fast so people don't know that you don't know it. And he camped out, good boy. Well, Saul saw the vast Philistine army. He became frantic with fear. Let me say that again. When Saul saw the vast Philistine army, he became frantic with fear. It's interesting because when you're not close with God, everything starts to freak you out. And Really, the whole main point of this is that how you respond to life really reveals how close to God you are. Now, let me kind of frame this the right way, where it's not that you're not going to get scared, and it's not that you're not going to be afraid. We're all human beings, but it's a matter of do we stay there? Now, when I say close to God, that can seem very, you know, uh, feely, touchy. Like, does that mean, like, when I'm close to God, that, man... It's like I'm wrapping my arms around, a, you know, a, a teddy bear and I have all these emotions. No, it doesn't mean that. See, if you are a son and daughter of God, if you believe that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, positionally, you're with him forever. So we're not saying, man, you got to work your way. you got to get close to God. That's religion, and that's exhausting. When the scripture says to draw near to God and he'll draw near to you, he's not saying, you know, do all these things so that God can love. He's saying, in in accordance to how God, what he's done for you on the cross, respond to that. Respond to who Jesus is. And so when it talks about being close to God, there's this intimacy where I'm pursuing him. I'm going after him. And you can just see it in Saul's life that because he wasn't close, that because he was so distant. And when you're not close with God, it doesn't just happen overnight. It's not like, oh, I missed my devotional. Oh, I'm far from God. It was a season, he just didn't acknowledge God. And the small things, the small things, and the small things became big things. And now the big thing was he saw, he sees the army, he's frantic with fear. And some of us, it's almost like we've been a hamster in one of those wheels that are running up, you know, uh, up and down, up and down, right? The hamster wheel. Now, when you see a hamster at first, right, you're like, wow, that thing's going fast. That's crazy. But after you watch it for an hour, man, that must be tiring. How are, you, like, how are you going for that long? And that can feel that way when you're not close with Jesus. You're running, you're running, you're running. I, I got this, God, I got this, I got this, I got this. But you're so tired. You're so exhausted. And that's how Saul felt underneath the frantic with fear. He's so exhausted, he's so tired. Where the Lord's saying, acknowledge me. Come closer. I want to bring you near. So he's frantic with fear. And this is how we respond when we're living a life of fear. Keep going. 
He asked the Lord what he should do, but the Lord refused to answer him either by dreams or by sacred lots or by prophets. Keep going. Saul, oh, sorry, no, actually, go behind. Made a mistake. Um, so it's funny because the scripture says he asked the Lord what to do, but yet God didn't answer him. Like, what? Wait, this whole time the Lord wants Saul to respond, but yet he's asking him, but yet the Lord isn't responding. Saul's experiencing that silence. Now, if you look at the original language where it says what he should do, the word is actually inquire. And if you look at the actual language of inquire, it has this subtle meaning that he really wasn't asking to really ask. He just wanted some help to get him out of that moment. Where it was basically, you know, when like you ask somebody for help, hey, can you, can you just help me for this? But you're really not asking because you really want to get better. You're asking because you're trying to get out of trouble. And so what God is doing is actually in his grace. He's not responding to Saul because he knows if he responds to his request right now, Saul's going to stay where he's at. He's like, Saul, I'm not going to answer that prayer request because you just want to keep going in your sin, in your refusal. And Saul, I'm not going to answer that. But basically what God was trying to do is, Saul, I'm not just going after your actions. I'm going after your motivation. I'm, I'm going on the inside right now. And isn't it so hard when we're stuck? We don't want to go deep. We just want to go far. God, get me over there. I don't care about what you're trying to do inside of me. I just want to move forward. And, and, and it, but the Lord is so gracious, Saul. I'm not going to respond to you. I'm not going to respond to that. Because if you come to me with it, because the scripture says, if you come to God with your whole heart, you will find him. So the Lord isn't trying to hide himself from Saul, but he's trying to remove that part of Saul that's keeping him from seeing God the way that he should. Can I encourage you in your season of silence? It can feel like God is so silent, but yet God wants us to go underneath the emotions, all the things that we're thinking, and he wants to get to the heart. He wants to get to the heart. So don't let your season of silence discourage you. It should move you closer to him. What an opportunity we have when he doesn't allow us to do that. So I love what this commentary says about Saul in this. This is what it says. Saul's decision to seek a medium. Um, you know what? <laughs> My slides are all above it. Never mind. Keep going. I'm sorry. We're not going to do that slide. Um, so Saul said to his advisors, find a woman. And this is because Saul didn't hear anything from the God, so this is what he decides to do. Saul then said to his advisors, find a woman who is a medium so I can go and ask her what to do. So Saul disguised himself by wearing ordinary clothing instead of his royal robes. Then he went to the woman's home at night, accompanied by two of his men. I have to talk to a man who has died, he said. Will you call up this spirit for me? Now, I got to acknowledge up front that this story gets kind of weird, okay? It's one of those weird Bible stories. But here's the context. It's Saul outlawed in all of Israel, don't go to mediums. Don't go, don't go to sorcerers. But yet now Saul's in this place where he's not hearing from God. He's uncomfortable. He's frantic with fear. What do I do? So scripture says that he disguised himself by wearing ordinary clothing, and he went to go see a medium. 
Now, is the message of the story to just not go to a sorcerer? If you are, don't do that, by the way, okay? That is a great point to adhere to. But really what the scripture is saying and what we can see from Saul's life is that when we're uncomfortable, when God wants to take us deep, but we're not, we're not hearing anything, we're not asking from a genuine desire, if we're not careful, instead of going after God, we start going after comfort. So Saul's like, I don't know what to do. I'm stuck. God's not speaking to me. If he was really here, he would speak to me. I'm going to go to what's familiar. I'm going to go to what's comfortable. And a lot of us in this room, including myself, when we don't feel movement, when we feel stuck, we just go to the things that we know that aren't best for us, but we go back to the things that are just going to work for us because they're comfortable, they're familiar. I don't want to hang out with these friends anymore. They're not good for me, but they're comfortable. They make me feel good for the moment. I shouldn't keep spending my money this way. I, I mean, whatever you want to put in the blank, but yet we go back to things that aren't good for us. If you're taking notes, you can jot this down, that when we're not close to God, we'll find comfort outside of God. So we just, we, it's so, I don't mean, but it's so easy to rationalize. It's so easy to justify. Uh, I'm in a rough season. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this and it's okay. But yet God's like, no, what are you doing? I, call, I called you out of that. And here's the part. If you guys can go two slides back. My slides are messed up today, guys. Thanks for the grace. Um, Saul's decision to seek a medium betrays, check this out, his utter lack of confidence in God or his willingness to face the consequences of his disobedience. Wow, what a good word that is. Think about that. You've been in a season of silence. You're being stretched, and, and, and God is trying to do something inside of you. But yet, because your season has been so hard, it hasn't built your faith to acknowledge God. It's actually diminished your faith that God can't really do anything. God, what is God going to do? And Saul has such an opportunity where instead of seeking comfort, he should have sought God in his own heart. God, what in me do you want to change? If anything, he should have prayed David's prayer in Psalm 139. God, will you test my heart? God, will you search my heart? If there's anything in me that you find offensive, can you show me? Because I want you to lead me to everlasting life. Saul had an opportunity to seek the Lord inside, even when where it hurts. But yeah, he said, I'm not going to go there, God. And that's what I love about our church, that, man, we're a church that wants to live free. We just don't want to cope. And one of the ways that we do that is that we invite Jesus into every part of our life. And we invite people into our life. That's why we do small groups here. Is that if you're like Saul and you're trying to figure things out on your own and people can't get in, you're going to fall, but no one's going to be there to help you. And so as a church, we want to live free by living together in groups. And so... Saul's decision to seek a medium betrays his utter lack of confidence in God. So the story continues, and this is where it gets kind of funny. So let's do this. I can't wait. Why have you, no, so basically what happens is, so he goes to a medium, and the medium's like, hey, don't you know that Saul said don't do that? It's a rule. Do, do you want to see me be killed? No, no, don't worry about it. It's okay. You won't be killed. Okay. 
And so she's like, okay, so who do you want to see? Well, I want to see Samuel. Why does he want to see Samuel? Because that's where he finds comfort in. That's the person who's like, man, if Samuel knows what to do, I'm going to go to him. So in this weird, <laughs> super strange event, Samuel gets called back, right, in this moment. And I love this. Samuel's, it's kind of funny. Samuel's like, why have you disturbed me by calling me back? Like, come on, dude, I'm dead. I'm with Jesus. I don't want to be back here. Like, why am I here? And this is Saul's response. Because I'm in deep trouble. The Philistines are at war with me. Really, the war is inside of him. It's not really on the outside. And God has left me. He won't reply by prophets or dreams. So I have called for you to tell me what to do. Wow. I mean, it wasn't too long ago that Saul was hearing from the Lord. He was prophesying. He was a mighty king. He was leading his army. But now he's reduced in a place where he's back in the familiar. He's back in the comfortable. I don't even know what to do. You know what that shows me is that, man, like, sometimes our leaders can disappoint us. Our leaders can leave us. And it's like, what do I do? You know what we do? We cultivate our own relationship with God. We cultivate our own relationship with God. I know that, that, that doesn't sound deep. It's like, you know, tell me something I, you know, I need to do. Cultivating a walk with God isn't a place that you arrive. It's a person that you're going to constantly be pursuing. We're always going to be growing our walk with God. And so cultivate. I love what John Maxwell says is that growth is not accidental. It's intentional. So that's why one of our values as a church is that, man, we're going to keep stepping towards Jesus because the moment that we stop stepping is the moment we stop growing. And can I tell you, Saul stopped stepping. And so if we're going to grow closer to Jesus, closeness with God must be cultivated, cultivated with him. So how do, we, how do we cultivate a relationship with Jesus? Well, the first thing I want to say is that it sounds so obvious, but I'm just going to say it, is that we need to know God. We need to know God. Now, when I say know God, what I'm differentiating is knowing about God and knowing God. See, if you knew me from the outside, you might know that I am a Laker fan, okay? Woo! Hey, I, hey, hey, we, we're unifying the Lord, right? But maybe not in sports, right? I'm a, I'm a diehard Laker fan, all right? You might know that about me. You might know that it could be 0, 32 degrees, and I'll still take a scoop of ice cream, okay? I love ice cream, right? If you know me, you might know that, man, after the 10th cup of coffee, I might, still, I might feel that caffeine, right? I just love coffee that much. You might know these facts about me, but you don't know me the way my wife knows me. The, ink, the, 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 the little details that maybe that none of you would know, only she knows because we're in an intimate relationship. And I don't just mean physically, I mean emotionally, I mean spiritually, I mean mentally. The Bible says that when he brings two together, they become one. And how many of you know that marriage is supposed to be a picture of the relationship that he wants to have with every single one of us? Jesus did not die so that we can know him at a shallow level. He died so that he could bring us near to him, near to him. 
God wants to have a personal relationship with every single one of us. And I believe that sometimes somebody asks, hey, how's your walk with God? Oh, I haven't been praying. Okay. We usually go to actions, don't we? How much time is spent. Now, your time does reveal your priorities. So I don't want to take that out of the equation. But so often, how we answer our walk with God isn't with our hearts, but how much time that we're being disciplined with. Discipline can lead to desire, but discipline isn't the end goal. The end goal is to enjoy, enjoy our walk with God. And so can I just make an appeal to you today? Man, let's have a fresh commitment to know God personally. And, and, and we want to make that as, pos- as possible as ever. If you go to our website, foundinchurch.cc, we're on a thing called the one-year Bible plan. Like, I don't do plans. That's too structured. You know, not having a plan is a plan, too. It's just not getting you the results that you want. And so I'd rather have a plan that leads me toward Christ than a plan that's like, God, where are you? You're so silent. No. Let's have a plan to move towards Christ. And so let's, let's, get, let's get into our word. Let's be praying. But really, let's allow the Lord and if you want a scripture to get into, I'd encourage you, go on to Psalm 139. It, it's all about David talking about, God, you're so amazing. You know so many things about me, but yet you, wanna, you want me to move closer to you. How is that even possible? Meditate on that, Psalm 39. We need to know God. Second is that God wants us to live free. And I mentioned this just a, a bit ago, but it's worth repeating. You look at Saul's life. And he's by himself. He's, he's utterly destroyed. And yet he feels so consumed by his season of silence, he has to go to a medium to actually hear from God. You know what that tells me? Not that he's a weirdo for going to a medium. You know, that might be it too, right? <laughs> but second is that he has no close relationships in his life. None. He doesn't have the person say, Saul, what are you doing? Like, you're going after a sorcerer? No. Man, okay, let's pray about this. Let me encourage you. Let's get you back on track. He didn't have those close relationships. Let me put it this way. Is that Saul chose unhealthy comfort instead of healthy, godly connection with others. Did you guys catch that? When you're living a life of comfort, you're also disconnecting yourself from relationships that, that can help you and serve you. Saul, I believe, was only one relationship away from taking that next step towards God. Because we're not just supposed to live just with God, loving God, but we're also supposed to live with people and to love people. And that's why we're so passionate here about small groups. We don't want you to, for you to do your life alone. And more importantly, God doesn't want you to, to do your life alone. And so why, wait, what is freedom? Because you would think small groups, people, that's just about relationships, Right? The Bible makes it clear that life change doesn't happen in a classroom. Life change happens in relationships. We love Sundays. Sundays are awesome. We get pumped. We get inspired. We get stirred to serve Jesus. But yet it's in groups that we find those intimate, personal relationships where you know my stuff. I know your stuff. It's a safe place, and we can move closer to God together. So if you're not in a group, get into a group. Get into a group. You're going to find those, that connection that God wants you to have, okay? So know God, 
live free, and lastly, discover purpose. Discover purpose. You know, the two most important days of your life is this, the day that you were born and the day you found out why. Can I say that again? The two most important days are the days that you were born and the day you found out why. You know, I've said this so many times, but I'm, I'm going to keep saying it because I just think it's so important, is that, man, growing up for myself, I was so just, I was reserved, I was quiet, but really underneath all that, I was, I was so rejected. I dealt with so much shame. And you would think, like, I'd be the last person that could do anything important. If anything, I believe that about myself. And what God started to do on the inside of me, it started, I'm, I'm, I'm really shortening up this story. But when God started doing something inside of me, it wasn't that he led me to another Bible study. It wasn't that God led me um, to anything else. But he led me to lead a small group. At 19 years old, for some reason, some church entrusted me to lead a small group at 19 with middle schoolers. Okay? <laughs> I don't know what they were thinking when they did that. And you know what started to happen? Is that I started realizing that life wasn't just about me. Because you know what? I didn't really read my Bible and, uh, back then because I didn't feel like I really needed to. But when the kids started asking, hey, when you don't feel God's love, what do you do? Like, what does that mean? Or, hey, my friends are asking me about this whole creation story and, and evolution. What do you think about it? Can you give me some biblical support? Yeah, yeah let me uh, uh, go to Google. Um, seen about a week. But you know what it started doing inside of me? Is that I, I started to realize that purpose in my life wasn't just about me, but it was God using me to serve somebody else. And I believe that some of us in this room, if I can say this <laughs> so politely, we're so stuck in our silence because we're stuck on ourselves. And what God wants us to do is he wants to lift up our eyes and see, come on, there's so much I have for you. I have so much for you, but you know what? I don't just need you to break through for yourself. I want to break you through for somebody else as well. And when you look in the Bible, I want to have you raise your hand, but I think some of us, we just feel so unqualified. I can't do this, God. Why me? Man, you're in a whole book of the Bible with people who feel unqualified too. And you look at this. Abraham, who am I, Lord? You're going to use me? I'm going to use you, Abraham, but not just for you, but for you to bless the whole world. He took Moses. God, why would you use me? I stutter. I can't talk. You can talk because I'm going to make you talk by my power. And you know what? It's not just going to be for you. I'm going to free a million people because of your obedience. Some of us, we want to feel significant. But you're not going to feel significant unless you receive something significant to do. And so let's just receive that today. Man, God has purpose for you. And it doesn't have to be this funny, fuzzy thing. How do I discover my purpose? we got a plan for you for that. It's called Growth Track. Give us three Sundays. Just three Sundays. What if those three Sundays transformed your whole life? 
not just in, in how much you attend church, but how much you see Jesus in living out your purpose. We're not promising you a silver bullet, but we are promising you is that you're going to see God, your life in a whole other way, and you'll never be the same again. Come to Gove Track. Invest into it. And God wants to use that. So just in closing, I just, I just want to encourage all of us in your season of silence. It's just so tempting to want to go far, but God wants us to go deep. And how do we go deep? We want to know God. We want to have a personal, intimate, close relationship with him that isn't just about ourselves, but with people, serving people, loving people, letting them serve us. And in that way, man, you're not going to be a heathen because a heathen refuses to acknowledge God but God's like, let, just acknowledge me. Acknowledge me in your heart, and I will make your path straight. Let's pray.